Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Um, Many years ago, before I was a dad, I I may have been a dad to Luke, I was just kind of getting started out, but we took a youth trip to uh, what was then called Virginia Christian Teen Convention. It was out in Roanoke, Virginia, and you know, it was a youth convention like we do CCYC here, Um, but it was out in Virginia, and we were all staying in different hotel rooms, and so that night as curfew kind of rolled around and all the kids were supposed to be in their hotel rooms, I was sort of making the rounds, just saying hello and checking on people, and I stopped by this room that had a couple of basically college-age guys that were in there. And they decided that this was their night to take down the king, all right? So they jumped on me, both of them, and started wrestling with me. And I was just having fun. You know, we were having a good time laughing, joking around, you know. And, you know, I was, I was working out at that time, and I was in pretty good shape. I was a young man. I was just out of college myself. You know, stuff didn't just hurt because I'm zipping my, my jacket, you know. And so I was like, I was throwing them around, you know, and I was like holding them both off with, you know, one in each arm. And and then one of my friends who was about my age, he jumped in and started helping. So it was an even match, you know, it was tag team wrestling, that type of thing. And then finally they quit on him and and he got out of it. And then they both turned on me. This has been going on for like 10, 15 minutes. And I mean, this was, I mean, we were throwing each other around. I mean, it was, it was exhausting. We were dripping with sweat. And the little one, he was, he was in college, but he was a short little wiry guy. He was actually a college wrestler, if that tells you anything. And he jumps on my back and puts his arm around me in like a chokehold slash sleeper hold. And he's like putting all his weight on me and literally hanging off of me by his elbow around my throat. And I'm getting tired. I'm getting real tired. And they, he, they finally, both of them bum rushed me and pushed me on the bed. And he's on there, and he's laying there, and he's trying to make me, you know, t- tap out or whatever, or maybe even put me to sleep a little bit. I mean, it was all, we were boys having fun. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't, like, meant to be hurtful. But he's about to do it, and I'm about to quit. I'm on this soft hotel bed. It's hard to, to do anything to move to get out from underneath him. And he does the kiss of death. Looking back, he regrets it. But he whispers in my ear. He said, who's your daddy? And something snapped inside of me. If y'all remember the old show, my eyes turned green. They turned green. And I found strength from down in the pit of my dad's soul. You know, my father's soul. You know, dad's strength. And I literally, with him laying on my back, having me down, pushed into the bed, couldn't breathe very well. I literally pushed up with him on my back and got my feet off on the floor. And I stood there. And he's holding on. And I heard him say, "Uh uh-oh. And he's literally hanging from my neck with all, he, he couldn't touch the floor because I was taller. I jumped up in the air with him behind me and then just fell on the floor with him underneath me. And his arm goes, Poof. I mean, you know, I was about 180 pounds at that time, still fairly solid. And all that comes down on him and he goes, Oof. and his arms just fall off. And I got up and I said, who's your daddy now, boy? Like that. Thank you. Thank you. So, I tell you that to tell you this. He thought he was strong. And he was strong. But he wasn't dad strong. 
you know he wasn't he didn't have that dad strength there's just something about it if you you know if you were a guy and you you tested your dad maybe one time when you got to be a teenager you thought you were something you found out there's a difference you might be in shape you might have abs your dad might not have seen his abs in 15 years but he summoned some dad strength if you get him frustrated and this guy did that with me he thought he was strong and I know since then there's been a lot of times that life has taught me a lesson I thought I was strong, but life kind of said, who's your daddy now, you know? I thought I could handle it. And on the outside, people might have looked at me, you guys might have looked at me, and you might have thought, okay, Bobby's got a handle on that. And that's what I wanted you to think. But I didn't always have a handle on it. I didn't always have the strength to deal with it. At times, we tend to believe a lie about strength. We believe that strength is not showing weakness. Have you ever been there with me on that? You ever kind of caught yourself thinking that? That to be strong, you have to make sure you do not show any weakness. Now, before we get too far in, I want to say this. This is not simply a message for dads. This is not simply a message for men. This is a message for all of us, but because we all tend to follow and believe this lie if we're not careful. And we think that strength is having it all together and never showing a chink in the armor, so to speak. We think, I've got it under control. I can handle this. I can deal with it. I don't show any sign of weakness. Now, when men struggle with believing this lie about strength and they think that's what strength is it looks like what we call macho or manly you know and and that's what it it comes across maybe you know maybe they're kind of distant maybe they're kind of cold because they don't want to let anybody inside to see the struggle that they may be having with something emotionally or physically or spiritually and so they keep everybody sort of at arm's length and they kind of can be sort of stoic and cold possibly And as men, we try to handle everything on our own, and we don't want to show any sign of weakness. And we can feel, because of that, our own problem that we've sort of created, we can feel misunderstood. We can feel maybe even taken for granted. But ladies, now I'm I'm making generalizations here about how men might deal with the lie, but women also can deal with the lie. And when women tend to believe this false definition, it often comes out in feeling like they have to be a superwoman. And they have to be able to handle everybody's stuff and keep everybody straight and deal with everything for everybody. Or they might be a super mom if they're a mom. And they want to say, I can fix everything. Everybody just give me your problems. Give me all your struggles. I will deal with them. I'll carry these burdens. And they feel like it all depends on them. And it can lead to feeling unappreciated and taken advantage of. Let's give you an example of how that might come out. How many of you have ever had your mom say, why haven't you called me lately? We all have had that, right? And you want your, you want your uh, children to call you, but sometimes it can come from that place where I feel like I'm unappreciated because maybe the mom feels like she has to deal with everybody's burdens and it becomes overwhelming. And here's the thing. If you leave that lie unchecked in each of us, men, women, children, whoever it may be, It leads to living a double life eventually. You know what I'm saying? It leads to living a double life because you want to be strong. You want everybody to think, I've got it all together. I'm physically strong, maybe. I'm emotionally strong. I'm mentally strong. I'm spiritually strong. And so you never can let anybody see your mistakes. And so you put on this mask. You put on this front. You put on this facade. And you want to make sure everybody is fooled because, truthfully, you can't handle the load, you know? 
There are times when all of us may have it all together, but there are many times when we are literally falling apart from the inside out. Am I right? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. We know that we can get into that rut if we're not careful, and we don't let anybody know the struggle, so what do we do? We play the role. We, we make people think, oh, I've got it. I, got, I don't need any help. You know, people say, well, can I pray for you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. You, you pray for somebody else. Yeah? Uh, you know, I've got it. I can handle my stuff. You act like you've got it all together while you're crumbling on the inside. You're crumbling on the inside. And here's the really dangerous part. Everybody, everybody with me on this? The really dangerous part is because you begin to resent the ones that you feel like you have to be strong for. And so you push people away whether you mean to or not. You started out wanting to be the one who can deal with everybody's problems, but because you can't, because you're human, it's okay. You're human, you start to push people away. Even if it's not something you acknowledge in your mind, you push people away and keep them at arm's length and you begin to resent them because you can't even deal with your stuff, much less everybody else's. And it leads to more hurt, more pain, more broken relationships, more friends and loved ones alienated on the outside looking in, thinking, why won't they let me in? Why won't they let me help them through their stuff? So the question is this. How do we break this cycle of this false beliefs about strength that leads to so much hurt and so much pain? Well, the question is, what does real strength look like? What does it look like? There's a man in scripture that we're going to look at today as we're talking about wild men, and we can learn a lot from his life. And when it comes to strength, for many of you, if you've been around the Bible much, he's probably the first person that comes to your brain. His name is Samson. And if you go to the book of Judges, you can look through chapters 13 through 16, and you kind of read his story. I'm going to give you some highlights before we dig into the scripture. Early on in his life, when he was really, he was just super strong, he's walking down the road one day and a lion comes at him and he literally kills a lion with his bare hands. That, that's pretty strong, right? That's, that's tough guy. This guy has got the strength to do this kind of thing. And then on his way back through, he looks, he sees the carcass of the lion and bees had taken up residence in it and he created a honeycomb inside the carcass of the lion. Well, part of his strength given to him by God was that he was never to touch anything dead. It was called a Nazarite vow. He wasn't supposed to drink alcohol. He wasn't supposed to, uh, you know, wasn't supposed to touch anything dead. All these different things. He was never to cut his hair was another interesting thing, but that was part of his strength. He comes along, he sees the dead animal, and he knows he's not supposed to touch it, but he reaches in and he scoops out a handful of honey and eats it. But he does this crazy stuff, this, this kind of manly stuff as we think of. We think it's strong, but in doing this, he broke one of God's commands for him in touching that dead body. Later on, he was cheated out of a bet. He, you know, let somebody in on the secret and they, they cheated him. And so what does he do? He kills 30 guys to take their clothes to pay off the debt that he had, had gotten because of that bet. I mean, this guy was, this, like I've said before, if you think the Bible is boring, you just have not read it. I mean, he goes and this is crazy movie stuff, you know. Later on, when, now this is serious, when his wife was taken from him by her father, he's supposed to marry and she's taken from him. Now, here's one thing I wanted you to have in the context. She was not from the Israelite people, which was also a command. They were not to marry anybody outside of the nation. And here again, he was always chasing after these foreign women that worshipped other gods. So there's a red flag right there. He should have stayed away. 
but she's given to another man, he does something that is, is pretty interesting. Remember last week we talked about Florida man? This could be a Florida man thing. He caught 300 foxes, live foxes. He caught them and tied their tails together in pairs, two by two, and tied a torch in between them. And then sets them off in the Philistine grain fields, the vineyards, and the olive groves, and everything was burned up. I'm going to ask you this. Is there anything, if we're just talking about worldly standards, is there anything more manly than that? I caught 300 foxes with my bare hands and then tied their tails together with a torch in the middle. I mean, that's just, that's Florida man right there. That is why we'll see it. It's going to be a strong one. He'll be one of the guys out of the bio or whatever, you know, the Everglades. But he does this. That, I mean, but then think about it on this level. That right there, my friends, is Olympic level gold medal pettiness right there. He's like, okay, it's a serious thing. They took his wife. That's a big deal, right? Okay. But he's like, I'm just going to burn everything down in the whole country, you know, and I'm going to do it with tying t foxes' tails together. But let me ask you this Have you ever been so anxious? To keep up the strength act that you go to crazy extremes to get revenge and make people think they can't hurt you. You ever been there? Maybe you haven't tied 300 foxes' tails together, but you've done some pretty hurtful stuff that, yeah, you were done wrong. I'm not saying that you were done right. I'm not saying that you don't deserve to feel pain. But have you ever wanted so bad to make people think they can't hurt me? And so you went an extreme way just like Samson did. After that, believe it or not, Samson probably wasn't invited to the family reunion anymore after he burned up all their crops. And then they took it another step farther. Once again, like I said, this is kind of gruesome stuff, but they killed his wife that they had taken from him and her father. It's a, it's a horrible thing of back and forth. And so then he retaliates and kills a large number of the Philistines. And then when the Philistines come to get revenge for all those deaths that, you know, they had helped precipitate, he comes along and he allows himself to be caught by his people. They tie his hands, which is nothing. It's just, a, it's just a false thing. They tie his hands. They lead him to the Philistines. The Philistines take him. And when they get in there, he snaps the ropes. He picks up the jawbone of a donkey. And it says he killed a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. That, why that's not a movie, I don't know. That's, that's crazy stuff. But this guy did that. And then, to give you one more thing, later on, to show you just how petty Samson could be, he goes to a Philistine city. That's, you know, these people that are fighting against him, fighting against God and teaching other gods. He goes to their city, and he's laying there, and people are waiting to come kill him. And so what he does is he gets up, and he literally rips the gates off of the city wall including the bars that hold them up, and carries them off over a hill. He's just messing with them. He's just like, ha, you want to feel safe? I'll take your gates. You know, it's like, I mean, somebody, I mean, this wasn't like your little door, your little, you know, three-panel fake wood door. This was like huge pieces of wood and iron. He, pick, he rips them up and carries them over to this other hill just to say, ha, take that. By all accounts, we would look and we'd say, that's strength, right? Nobody's stronger physically, and I don't think anybody would really argue with you. Nobody's stronger physically. They try to hurt you, you're going to come back and you're going to hurt them ten times harder. You're going to do all you can to hurt them and knock them down. But was it really 
Was it really strength? Yeah, physically, absolutely. But would you say Samson was strong in mind and in heart and in spirit? Probably not. You know, you look at him and it all comes crashing down for Samson. And we can see the real picture of what's going on on the inside. He meets another woman. Women seem to be his weakness, and he doesn't care about what they believe or what God has said. He meets this other woman, and she tries to convince him. They bribe her. They say, okay, we'll give you all this money if you find out the secret of his strength. And so she goes up to him. She's like, oh, Samson. She said, please tell me the secret of your strength. And he's like, all right, he makes up a lie. He makes up three lies. Now, that's a red flag right there. If this woman is asking you the secret, and then she says, oh, guess what? Wake up, wake up, Samson. The Philistines are among you. They're getting ready to jump on you. Three times, you ought to start putting something together. Just say it, all right? Just saying. He was not the sharpest knife in the drawer. So she comes up. The first time he tells her a lie, he says, you take seven new bowstrings, like a bow and arrow, take seven new bowstrings, wrap them around my wrist, and I'll be as weak as any other man. All right, so she does that while he's asleep. She yells, Samson, get up. The Philistines are among you. He jumps up, and he's like, pop, just pops them off, and the guys don't come out. Oh, by the way, they are actually waiting there in the house, ready to jump on him, and they don't jump out. Then she tries it again later. He doesn't notice. He doesn't, he doesn't think anything about it. He says, this time the lie is, now take brand new ropes that have never been used and time around me and I'll be just as weak as anybody else. She does the same thing. The guys are in the room. They're waiting to jump out while he's asleep. She yells. He jumps up, snaps the rope, and nothing happens, right? Nothing happens. I was just thinking about this. This is the way my mind works. What if you were one of the guys and you expected this to be the one and you jumped out? <laughs> you know, she's like, wake up, wake up. The Philistines are among you. And he jumps up and right before he snaps him, you're like, ha! You know, and then you get beat with a jawbone or something like that. You know, he beats you with a spoon like your mama did, except it's a lot worse. You know, and I just, that's just the way my brain works. But anyway, that didn't happen. They didn't jump out because they saw he snapped them. Then she says, you keep lying to me, Samson. Each time she's like, you keep lying to me. Tell me the truth. Why don't you love me? And he says, okay, here's what you do. You weave my hair into a piece of fabric on a loom. You know, he's laughing at on the inside. He's like dad joke king. He's like... <laughs> You weave my hair into a loom, okay? Into a, into a blanket. Turn my hair into a sheet and I'll be weak. So she does it. He does the same thing. Wake up, they're among you. And he jumps up, rips his hair right out of there, you know, pulls it right out of the, the blanket, jumps up, and he's ready to fight. Nothing happens. His strength is still there. He was not a strong in mind guy. He was so confident in his physical abilities, he never thought about developing his mind or his spirit or growing in wisdom. He wasn't wise enough to choose better women to spend his time with. And then finally... And this is what it says. It says she bugged him about it until he was sick to death of it. And so the fourth time was the trick. He tells her the truth. He says, if my hair is cut, if my hair is shaved, I will lose my strength. She did while he was asleep, and he did lose his strength. He jumped up. He was captured by the men who rushed out. And it says that they gouged his eyes out. And prior to all that, he seemed to be the strongest man alive. And like we've said many times, physically he was. He had it all. All the ladies wanted to be with him. All the fellows wanted to be him. I mean, honestly, think about it. Who does not want to be able to put, I can catch 300 foxes on their tender bio. I mean, that's like serious stuff. You know, I can do it. That's, you know, he's a bragging guy. But spiritually, spiritually, this guy was a wreck. Emotionally, he was broken. He was a messed up guy. 
He was carrying a burden that even he couldn't lift. He couldn't lift it, and he couldn't. He was writing a check with his life that his heart couldn't cash. And he found himself having the bill come due and he couldn't pay. Have you ever been there yourself? Have you ever been there yourself? Have you ever tried to make everybody think you had it all together and you were writing that check that your heart couldn't cash and one day it comes due and it just crushes you under the weight of it? Samson was this guy who had done this and it all comes crashing down on us. The facade of the strength that you worked so hard to build up, it all comes crashing down. And what happens? But you feel alone. You feel like a fraud. You feel like you're weak and powerless. The worst part is you feel exposed. You feel like everybody sees every flaw you've got and the truth is out. You aren't unstoppable. You aren't all-powerful. Samson spent his entire God-powered life. He was given this immense power by God, believing that he himself was the source of his strength. He knew God had given it to him, but he had believed the lie. He believed it enough that he was the reason that he was so strong and powerful. And he continually disobeyed God. And God had time and time again continued to put his broken choices together to still accomplish God's will. But he was finally at the pinnacle of his ruse. And he had totally bought into his own front that he was all powerful and it all came crashing down. And that's when Samson was truly ready to be strong. Y'all with me? Have I lost you? That's the point in time when Samson was finally ready to truly be strong in the way that we see strength in God's word. They made him, they gouged his eyes out and they made him grind grain in the mill. He just pushed a big wheel to grind grain. And then eerily it kind of says, a little bit of foreshadowing, his hair began to grow back. And in Judges chapter 16, verse 23, you can read along with me if you like. It's going to be on the scripture. You can turn in your Bibles or look on your phone. It says, Now the lords of the Philistines, the rulers of the Philistines, gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country, who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson, that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who led him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. And then Samson called to the Lord and said, O oh Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on, the house, on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all of his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those he had killed during his life. It's a gruesome story. 
It really is. It's just full of death and destruction when people who have chosen to reject God go about their way and then somebody who's supposed to be following God just continues to reject God. But I don't want you to miss the point because it's such a gruesome story. I want you to get the point. Samson truly found his strength when he became selfless and sacrificial, when it came not so much about him, but about allowing God to use him. When he finally got his focus off of himself, yes, he mentions that he wants to be avenged, but he ultimately says, just this once, let it be, let me be used. And he's willing to sacrifice, he could be used. But I want you to get the application here. The truth is the same for you and I. When we are all about ourselves and only focusing on ourselves and trying to handle everything on our own, we never can be used the way God wants us to be. And if we want to break the cycle of this fake strength, we have to do what we can. It's going to lead us to crash and burn and damage our relationships. And we've got to become selfless and sacrificial. You know, this need that you have to do it all and to carry the load and to not show weakness, it may come from a good start, but it quickly, quickly derails. It turns into pride and self-centeredness. You see, C.S. Lewis said a famous quote about humility or selflessness. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. You see, we think sometimes that to be humble is to beat ourselves down and say we're not any good and that God can't love us, that nobody should love us, that we're just a mess and, you know, and we just beat down, beat down, beat down, beat down ourselves. But that's not what humility is. It's just thinking of yourself less. Not thinking of yourself all the time, thinking how can I help other people? How can my life be about something that lasts beyond me? How can it be about not just feeding my belly, not just accomplishing what I want to do? We can't go to that opposite extreme of beating ourselves up and thinking we're worthless. But we've got to stop thinking about ourselves so daggone much. If we truly want to be there for our family and our friends, like it started out being, we've got to stop trying to make them believe we have it all together and point them to the God who knits us together in our mother's wombs. That's what we've got to do. It can't be about us anymore. We've got to point them to God. And when we're ready to be selfless and sacrificial, God shines through in us. That's when it happens. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 9, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may rest on me. You see, when you and I are ready to stop the show and let people know that you're weak and that God is strong, Jesus gets all the glory, the glory and we get to rest. He gets all the glory and we get to rest. But this is what I want you to know. This is what I need to know. It's all well and good to think that. But if you never open up and let anybody see what's going on, you're never going to beat it. You're going to be trying to carry the same old burdens. You're going to get back into the same old ruts and the same routines. You're going to go out living the same old lie that I got this. I got this. You give me what you need. You know, pour it on me. Pour it on me. I can handle it. I can handle it. But all the while, you're crushing down and you're getting smushed down and ground down. But you've got to say, look, I cannot do it all. You've got to find somebody that you love and that loves you that you can tell the truth to. 
You've got to shine the light on the dark place in your life to unveil this lie. And you've got to tell the truth and say, I cannot do it on my own. I have to admit that I am weak and I am powerless. But when I am weak, then God is strong. Jesus said that even further uh, before Paul ever spoke those words in 2 Corinthians, ever wrote them down. He said in Matthew 11, verse 28 and 29, Jesus said, all right, I want you to close your eyes for a second. And realize that Jesus is telling this to you. Come to me, all who labor, are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when you are trying to bear that burden and bear those burdens for everybody, and you've got it all together, and you're trying to make them think, oh, I've got this, i got this, and you're spinning these plates, it's time to just knock it all down and say, God, I need you. To my brothers and my sisters, I need you. I cannot do it on my own. To your spouse, to your friends, to, to somebody who loves you and you love, tell them, I need help and I cannot do it on my own. So when you and I start giving our heavy weights to Jesus, we can rest while he does the work. And our families and our friends are better for it. And when they look at us, they'll see Jesus' power and glory, not our feeble attempts at strength. So start praying for your children if you're a father or a, or a mom. Pray for your friends, people. Pray for your spouses. Pray for your parents. And then pray with them. That's where real strength comes from is when we pray with people. Set the example of making godly choices for the people around you. Whether you're a parent or not, whether you, if you're a believer, set the example for people around you to make godly choices. Make time with the church to be with the church family, to grow and to be strengthened. Make it a commitment so your brothers and sisters in Christ know, hey, I can count on them. They're going to be there. They're going to encourage me. So your children, if you have them, can look to you and say, following Jesus is a commitment in my life and in my family. Be willing to sacrifice your time, your energy, your finances, and your pride to lead other people to Jesus. And then give God the credit, not you. Believe it or not, even if you're not a braggadocious type person, it's easy for us to want all the credit and the glory for being able to handle everything, right? But we can't do it. And so let's stop setting people up for, to be let down and let's give God the credit for everything that we have and everything that we do. So the question is, how will your relationships look if you do this? How will my relationships look if I admit that I'm weak and that God is strong in me and through me? How will your grandchildren's lives look? Even if, you don't, even if you're not even thinking about having kids yet, how would your grandchildren's lives look if you start right now to say, I'm not going to try to put on this front anymore to say that I'm strong, but God is strong in me. What will happen in generations to come? What would it look like to see another generation coming behind you, watching you, living a life, walking in God's strength rather than playing the role of the strong man or strong woman. What will that look like instead of somebody who crumbles from the inside out? It's time to show our strength through our selflessness 
and our sacrifice and be the hero that God designed us to be. There's somebody who you need to talk to today to say, I am not what I have tried to be. You got to be honest. You got to say, I am sorry that I have tried to carry a burden for you that I can't even carry myself instead of giving that burden to God and showing you to give that burden to God I am sorry and I repent and I from here on out am going to be God's man God's woman surrendered to him so that his strength can work in and through my weakness and I'm telling you folks lives and generations will be changed because that's what God needs us to do is to just be humbly submitted to Him, selfless and sacrificial, and then God can use us in ways we never imagined. But it won't happen if you keep telling the lie. It won't happen if you keep it to yourself. You've got to own up today. You've got to let somebody know. You let God know first and foremost, and yes, that's all we need, but it's good to tell a brother or sister, somebody with skin on, so to speak. So today, don't leave here or don't leave this. Don't lay your head down on the pillow tonight without talking to someone. If you're carrying this burden, if you've been living this lie, surrender it all to God. If you need to obey the gospel today, man, we love to do it. We'd love to see you baptized into Christ because you believe in Jesus. We want to see that happen and we can take care of that. We'd love to talk with you about that. But if there's a decision that you need to make to get there or a decision after that fact, let's surrender it all to Jesus. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's Sermon Podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement MC.